three, two, one. This time I will not bore you or be stupid with a Rod Sterling intro. So hello, Internet peeps. Welcome to another edition of Big Trouble Little Podcast. I am Joe Dubs. And I'm Andy. And you are obsolete. <laughs> uh, so we have our Twilight Zone uh, part two, where we have two episodes, Nick of Time and The Obsolete Man. Uh, these are my picks for the Twilight Zone episodes that I wanted to watch this week. So we will dive into that a little bit later. Uh, so, Andy, what the hell have you been playing or watching? Um, I watched some more Turn A Gundam. I'm going to talk about that last week. Uh, I rewatched Batman Returns and Batman Forever. Really? Um, Batman Returns was better than I remembered in a lot of ways, and Batman Forever was way worse than I remember. Like, when I was a kid, I thought I liked that movie, but I watched it again, and now I kind of hate it. Like, it's boring and shitty, and I hate it. Batman Returns, that's Michael Keaton, right? Yeah. And then Forever is... Val Kilmer. Yeah. And would would you say that was better? Well, Batman Returns is better than I remember. Like, it's it's interesting, but it still has the mood of the first movie. But then Forever is where Schumacher took over, and he's a hack, and I hate him. See, <laughs> when... You know, when these movies came out, me and you were young, so like we yeah, didn't really, yeah, we didn't really care. We were like, yeah, Batman, that's fucking cool and shit. Like, yeah, I remember liking the Val Kilmer, Kilmer uh, Batman. But- I did too. I thought, and then like I said, I rewatched it. I was like, oh no, movie's bad. Yeah, because we're adults, and since we you know we, we are not profession, but our hobby is watching movies a lot. Like seeing that is like. Oh, man, Val Kilmer, you were fucking shitty Batman. <laughs> yeah, it's not even necessarily his fault. It's just, like, the movie is just shitty. Like, I don't know. A lot of the stuff that people hate about Batman and Robin starts in that movie. And the direction's bad, and some of the dialogue's bad. And the acting isn't necessarily bad from the point of, like, Batman and the dork who plays Robin and the women in it. But Tommy Lee Jones is, is horribly miscast to be Two-Face. Jim Carrey's pretty good as the Riddler, but I don't know. It's still kind of a shitty part. I think was this one of the first movie, like superhero movies, that had multiple villains in it? Uh, no, Batman Returns had both Penguin and Catwoman in it. Oh yeah, that's right. I, I keep on forgetting like Catwoman is a villain because she was more like of a a sex appeal to uh, Bruce Wayne. I felt like in that movie rather than a villain. I mean, she does fight him a couple of times, but it seems like some fucking kinky shit <laughs> that happened. On yeah, she's still she's still clearly like out of her mind. She has like split personality. She murders Max Shrek. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she counts. She's a bad guy. Yeah, did she in the in the comic book series? Did she ever have split personalities? Like, oh, I don't, I don't know. I've I've read I've read like the big Batman stories. I've read like Hush and Long Halloween and stuff like that. But I, I haven't read a lot of Batman. Mm-hmm. And what which one was the, <laughs> the Batman that had a uh, Christopher Walken in it? That's Returns. <laughs> He's Max Shrek. He, the greatest thing about Christopher Walken is that he is in small roles, but 
they're great. <laughs> like he'll just be there in the like the corner and be like, "Apple pie is great," and like that's me in my opinion the funniest scene. Yeah, he chooses chooses the scenery in Returns, but it, it kind of works. Returns is weird. It's it's like moody, like the first one, but it starts getting a little campier. It starts being a little more silly, mm-hmm. but but in, in kind of a good way, like. I feel like forever, if it had been directed by Burton instead of just produced by him, I really think it could have been saved. Because it's like, he directs goofy, silly stuff, but it's still, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm just, I just like him better as a director than Joel Schumacher. But of course, I like, I like, I don't know, Dog Turds as a better director than Joel Schumacher, I guess. <laughs> I, did Schumacher do with George Clooney, too? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that fucking just tells a lot because the George Clooney Batman sucked dick, and I did not like it at all. That one is at least so bad it's hilarious. Like forever, it's just kind of boring. Mm-hmm. Now, question: Who do you think is the best Batman? Um, I don't know. The best Batman. Uh, I I think Keaton. I guess. I agree with you, and, like, a close second would have to be Christian Bale. Yeah. Who's the best Bruce Wayne? Best Bruce Wayne? I think Ben Affleck, in my opinion. Oh, okay. Because, I I don't know, in in the Batman vs. Superman, I felt like he was, even though he was a good Batman, too, it just that his Bruce Wayne felt like he was a rich you know Bruce Wayne. I don't know, sure. and he and he had the body for it too. So yeah, he had that right. Yeah, because Christian Bale, he's skinny. He had that American Psycho thing going on <laughs> when he's Bruce Wayne, mm-hmm. and, and then Michael Keaton is just Michael Keaton. <laughs> yeah. But you know that he was good in the nineties, Michael Keaton. So he was a great Batman. So what else did you do? Uh, I watched two other movies. Um... Some friends and I, we do like like theme movie nights, and some guy did uh, the movies movies based on stories by Reynard. Uh, I can't say the guy's name. Reynard Kipling, whatever Kipling. Mm-hmm. So we watched The Man Who Would Be King and Gunga Den. Gunga Den is a good movie. There's a fight scene in the first like twenty minutes of it that is like the best ever. Like some uh, some thuggy cultists attack these British soldiers and there's a fight in this town and someone's throwing dynamite and it's awesome. And then the rest of the movie's just good. Uh, the man who would be King is a masterpiece. That movie's fantastic and everyone should see it. It's got Sean Connery, um, Michael Caine, Christopher Plummer, uh, and they are doing Damn. it. It's hard to explain that movie too much like they they go off into this this region up in the mountains it's actually in present day afghanistan to basically become kings like they're just going to round up people teach them how to soldier and then kind of conquer the land and stuff like that but it's an excellent movie the acting's great the writing's great oh my god the movie is great and i'm looking at it right now 1975 uh, the synopsis says two British former soldiers decided to set themselves up as kings of, I can't say that word, a land where no white man has set foot since Alexander the Great. Yeah, and that's a plot point. Mm-hmm. It's great, though. Michael Caine in 1975. I gotta see this. <laughs> I can just imagine. Just his fucking accent and everything. I wonder if he 
still has that drawn out British accent. He's really good in it, but uh, I think I liked Connery better, which is weird because usually I like Sean Connery, but I don't love him unless he's like Bond or something. But he he really killed it in that movie. Oh, he's got the fucking Motorhead uh, Lemmy uh, yeah. thing going on. <laughs> this time, did you watch anything? I read something actually. Oh, okay. Well, that works too. So I uh, I am reading this Firebird series. Uh, in Christmas, I got a bunch of time travel and uh, alternate reality like fiction books, and. I'm reading A Thousand Pieces of You. Uh, the synopsis is, you know, you, you can go in between dimensions and stuff. To, sure. They have this device. So the main character, uh, father died by this person named Paul. And he t- stole the device and he's going through dimensions and stuff. So they're chasing him through different dimensions. And how that works pretty much is because we uh, the theory is there's a multiverse. So... Uh, there's different versions of you and like there are some versions that, that you're not there where your parents didn't meet and everything. Yeah. So how you travel in these other dimensions is you go in your own body. So whatever, uh, if you're in a different country because you, you moved or something, you're there and you're living that person. So like the actual person that lived in that dimension is like, I guess, daydreaming or blacking out while you're taking over weird it's 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 interesting and uh i thought because uh a lot of females that i because i read the reviews and stuff and a lot of females were like this is a great book it has like a great love story too in it i was like oh it's gonna be like one of those uh, and i'm hooked on it already so you know I, i don't recommend it yet because i didn't read the whole book yet but i'm starting to i'm like halfway done with it hmm uh, other things I did, I did play NHL, but I'm not going to bore you with what I'd done with that. Um, I'm getting ready for football. I'm really sounding like a sports jock right now. Football! football. <laughs> yeah. You got the Jags and the Patriots that are playing right now. And then later mm-hmm. tonight, we have the Vikings versus um, Eagles. Go Vikings, by the way. Minnesota. I'm all for that. Um, what else did I, I, I did watch a movie. Oh, no, no, I watched some Reno 911. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, m- me and my friend at work were like, let's watch some Reno 911, Reno 911, and I, I forgot how good that TV show was. So was hilarious. Funny. Yeah, and that, that's all I did. I, I'm not starting any big games yet. I, I do have Xenoblade Chronicles, but... I'm going to save that for another day because, one, that's a big game, and two, um, I don't have time for it right now. <laughs> but, yeah. H- how about we dive into some Twilight Zone? What do you say, Absolutely. Andy? So let's go into Nick of Time. So the synopsis, by the way, that has William Shatner in it. That's all you need to know. The other, the other character, I forgot her name and everything, but their car breaks down in Ohio, and uh, the mechanic is like, it's going to take around maybe like two to four hours, but let's safe bet on for four hours. So William Shatner is like, what do we do? Oh, God. And they go to a diner, 
and they order some food. And um, at the table, there's like this napkin holder kind of thing. And you give like a penny and you ask it like yes or no questions like, am I going to be rich? And then you put the penny in, you, you hit the slot, and then it tells you an answer. So what happens is he starts to ask like, I guess, personal questions like, am I going to get the promotion at work? So he does it and he goes on the phone and lo and behold, he gets the promotion. So he starts to get superstitious in a way. And by the way, before I go on, these shows came out a long time ago, so there's going to be heavy spoilers. So let me put that out there before I get deep into the story. Um, and then he starts to exit questions like, well, is that car going to be ready? And it's like it, it gives you like vague but like precise answers and stuff. And then he says, well, what time should we go? And... He asks other questions like, are we in danger? And he says, well, not right now. And it's like, if we go out now, will we, you know, get hurt? And he said, only if you act quick. And so, like, it starts to get a little weird. So the wife kind of gets all antsy and says, Let, let's go, uh, you know, let's get out of here. And, you know, I'm getting freaked out by this machine, kind of. And they go out. Before the because the machine is like you could go at three o'clock. So William Shatner's character was trying to wait until three o'clock, and then the wife's like, "No, let's get out of here." And while that's happening, a car almost runs him over. And it's pretty much it, right? And I I hit the synopsis of the story. In a yeah, way. I mean, they use this machine. You have to ask it yes or no questions, and. You know, it gives you kind of like magic eight ball answers mm -hmm. and they keep asking it stuff and it gives like really weirdly appropriate answers to the questions. And then when they step out, they almost get hit by the car because it was telling them not to leave before three or whatever. Yeah. And um, Shatner specifically starts thinking that like it's magic and it, it, it tells all these true answers and we got to get out of here. But at the end, they kind of finally tear themselves away from it and leave. Yeah, and I underst I understood the wife is like I don't want this machine, you know, predicting every move that we're gonna make. Yeah, because he was asking questions like, "Are we gonna move to the east? Are we gonna move to the west? Are we gonna move to the right. south?" And it was like, "All right, William Shatner, don't get too specific." But a question for you: Would you, if you had a machine in front of you that would predict the future, would you use it, or would you be um, like selectively? I guess. I mean, it would be hard to avoid. You know your own curiosity mm -hmm. the one thing i hated about this episode was the wife um because she saw the the coincidence not the coincidences the the things that were happening like when they almost got hit by a car when you know he acts is the car ready and then the mechanic came in and she still was like in disbelief I mean, if this happened to you, wouldn't you be skeptical? I mean, I would be like William Shatner. I would be in his shoes more than her shoes. I think because a lot of people see the unknown and they get freaked out. And I don't know why. Me, I would <laughs> ask him more questions. I'd be like, 
I'd be pursuing the answer rather than running away. And I feel mm-hmm. like the wife was running away the whole time. Like she's she scared. It's scary. Mm-hmm. I, that's the only thing I hated. But I, the the writing in a way was kind of weird. The dialogue felt stupid at times. I don't know if you had the same view as me. Yeah, somewhat. But you were saying before we recorded, like this is the one, like one of the least liked Twilight Zones, right? For you? No, I was saying it was one of the least Twilight Zoney Twilight Zones. Like it doesn't seem crazy and magical. Like it could all be a coincidence. Like if someone described the story to me as having happened in real life, I wouldn't have a hard time believing it because nothing in it happens that's. Like like the 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 other one we watched takes place in a a, a, a a future society that's all like totalitarian and and terrible and stuff like that. So it's clearly fictional. But like this one seems more like something that could just happen. Yeah, and there is superstitious people out there. I mean, you have the the magic eight ball, even though a lot of people know that it's a toy. But some people actually do believe in it, and you know, Ouija board somehow, uh, you know, you get to talk to like paranormal ghosts and all that stuff. Yeah. So, this was one of the like believable episodes, but I like what they did at the end, and actually, I had mixed feelings about the end too, where the other couple, just random couple, come in. And they keep on asking questions if they're going to leave or not. And I thought that was interesting in a way. Because yeah, I kept wondering, like, what does the guy who runs the place think of it? Or is he in on it or, you know? Maybe. But I like how the couple were like, are we going to leave? Because it felt like they were prisoned to this machine. Like, they were hooked on it. Yeah. And that could have been William Shatner and, you know, his wife. You know, if they kept on asking questions, they, but they would... escaped. Mm-hmm. And then moved on. I thought the uh, when they were getting hit by the car, I'm like, you should have just stayed on the one side instead of going across the truck. Because hmm. once they crossed the truck, that's when the other car like was, like zigzagged around the truck and almost hit them. Yeah. So they kind of William Shatner probably created that in a way. And it seemed like it was a coincidence with the machine. Do you think the machine was telling the truth on most of it? Or it was just giving the right answers at the right time? The coincidence, as the wife said. I don't know. Like, it is the Twilight Zone. So I feel like the answer should be, oh, it was magical. And it was trying to trick them. Mm. But I, I don't know. Again, if someone told me this story was true, I'd be like, oh, okay. I guess I believe that. Yeah. So I want to err on the side of it's a cautionary tale about letting superstition get the better of you. Yeah. And there was no theme about death unless they. Yeah. I think this was one of the first episodes that started shooting a hole in that theory of mine. Yeah. I mean, unless you say <laughs> if you don't listen to this machine, then three o'clock or before three o'clock, you're dead. <laughs> I, I think the only way I was able to rationalize it at the time was. Uh, they had died and they were in limbo. Mm-hmm. But even that, that was a bit of a stretch, so. Yeah. So do you recommend this episode? 
Uh, yeah. I mean, I recommend every episode of this yeah. show. I, I think we said this last episode. I said every Twilight Zone we kind of recommend because we, we just love this show. Yep. Uh, moving on to The Obsolete Man. Andy, do you want to give this synopsis? Uh, it's the future, and society is is totalitarian, and it's run by, like, they get rid of undesirables, they, they kill people, they execute them, and they bring this librarian in who's played by Burgess Meredith, and they tell him, uh, you're obsolete, we're going to kill you, you get to choose how you die. And he says, oh, okay, um, I want only my assassin to know how I'm going to die, and I want it to happen at midnight, and I want it to be televised. And they say, oh, okay, that's cool. So he invites, like, the the, the guy who deems him obsolete, the, the judge, I mean, he's not a judge, he's a... Chancellor. Uh, chancellor, that's right. Yeah. He he drops by to talk to him a little bit, and, it, and uh, like, at his apartment, which is where he's going to die. And there's like a TV camera in there and he's talking to him about um, how books are ridiculous and God's ridiculous and uh, the party is awesome and and stuff like that. And then he realizes that the door is locked and he can't get out. And like part of the execution is that Burgess Meredith has to be like isolated. There's no one else around. There's no guards or anything. Mm -hmm. So he's trapped in this room and Burgess Meredith reveals that he is going to be killed by a bomb that goes off at midnight. And he has kind of tricked the chancellor into being trapped in here with him. And at the end, he kind of like freaks out. Oh, please let me live in the name of God. And he says, yes, in the name of God, I'll let you go. And he lets him out. And uh, Burgess Meredith is just sitting there just reading his Bible, like, you know, kind of content and, and reading stuff about, you know, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, et cetera, et cetera. And then at the end... Um, because of his cowardice and the way that he reacted on national television to dying in the name of the the in the name of the government, they deem the chancellor obsolete. And then in a really weird scene, they like bum rush him and I guess beat him up or something. Yeah, <laughs> the end of this episode is the only part I'm not in love with. Yeah, and I, I have to agree with that. Like at the end when they're all humming and stuff, and I'm like, what? Yeah, it, it like it like becomes like. A musical and they're like a street gang and they come at him and like surround him all weird it's it's i don't know it's, it's like strange. west side story shit right there yeah it is um i like the dystopian society in a way um in this in this government you can't be a librarian you can't read books because books is obsolete um Things that matter. Uh, I noticed that carpentry was good. He's like, this is a good skill, you know. If yeah, you he, he was useful. He could build things. They like that. Mm -hmm. But books and art and anything that had to do with the like free will and mind was no good. And apparently, and yeah, and religion was bad too, because uh, he had to hide his Bible for like twenty years and stuff, and. What else was it? Um, oh, uh, this government like took people like Hitler and Stalin. You're like, oh, they did it wrong. <laughs> We're going to kill the right people this time. We're going to kill all the yeah. old people. They said they didn't go far enough. Yeah. Is, was his criticism of Hitler and Stalin. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> this is crazy. All right, guys, calm down, yeah. Um, 
I, because in in today's politics, you know, with the whole uh, taking down statues and changing history books and talking how um, the white man is evil and all that stuff, just anything that has to do with slavery today and all that stuff, what? deleting history is how I felt in this episode. Like, I felt in this episode this government was deleting history, deleting religion in any way. And that's how I compared it to, like, today's politics in a way. Uh, you know, a lot of people, not a lot of people, but a certain side does not like religion that much, does not like God. So, I don't know. Did you feel that way? Like, cer certain politics kind of go with the chancellor and how their government works? It was well, like yeah, I mean... This this is a this is also kind of a cautionary tale. This is another sci-fi dystopian Orwellian trope about uh you know, they always try to control the narrative and they've taken away books and history and religion and stuff so that they can more easily control people's ideas and thoughts and stuff like that. Mm hmm Um the acting was great because of uh what's that? Uh, actor's name who plays like you know rocky's trainer burgess meredith <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's wait no the penguin he plays penguin too i mean yeah that's true from batman the uh 60s show anyway um just him and the chancellor had good chemistry in my opinion when they you know had dialogue compared to nick of time i i thought the dialogue between William Shatner and the wife was kind of awkward at times, but like in the obsolete man, I was like, this is believable if they were having like a politics fight and all that stuff. And I really liked in the beginning, he's like, I am not obsolete. You can't just delete, you know, or burn pages in the book and it's gone. It's forever going to be in me. I am not obsolete. And, uh, he, the high chancellor kept on saying, well, the state believes that there is no God, that uh, you are not allowed to be a librarian that makes you obsolete. And I, I, I thought it was interesting on how that was going on. What did you think? Uh, this, this, has, this is one of the best episodes of this series. I really like it. Um, the acting's great. The story's great. The message is great. Like I said, just that last scene is weird. I kind of wish that he would have just walked in and they'd been like, stay where you are. You've been replaced. We've deemed you obsolete. And he'd be like, no, no. And then they would cut away. And then and then Serling would give his post episode, you know, this is a warning, et cetera, et cetera, in the Twilight Zone thing I, instead. But the, it's got that weird, like, choreographed thing where they grab him. And it's cool when they drag him along the table. But then the rest of it's just strange. I forgot to mention in the... Uh... The the man who opened up the sky or something like that, where he, they're trying to find Ed Harrington and he's like knocking on the door of the, the bar and he's like, Ed Harrington, Ed. And then he like crashes through and he's like, Harrington. Yeah. I thought that was like out of place. <laughs> well, in fact, that wasn't in the script. Like the guy who was shooting just that scene, like the sub director or whatever, he they decided to shoot that and then they showed it to the main guy and he was like, yeah, let's keep this in. This is cool. 
it was funny as hell. Morning, cool. But yeah, this this episode, absolute man, was the season finale of season two. By the way, last episode. Oh, I didn't realize that. So it makes sense you go out on a on a great episode. And I was looking through season two, and it was just so many episodes that were so iconic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about this episode? It's hard to, just because it's, I mean, it's hard to say stuff about a show that's decades old, especially when everyone has already said, you know, oh, this show's great, oh, it's one of the best shows ever. Uh, It's a great example of some of the best sci-fi writing in the last century. Um, this episode's great. If you haven't seen it, watch it. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> it, it's it's really hard because me and you like it a lot, so we yeah. agree on a lot of Twilight Zone. So people who like our debates and our different point of views, there is none on, on Twilight Zone. No. Um, but people who don't, I I know a lot of people that either a think that Twilight Zone is stupid, and b that they never heard of it before. So the B, if you never heard of it before, go watch it. Uh, and the people that think it's stupid, Rod Sterling, I, I, I understand it's an opinion, and I get it. And they have every right for their opinion, but Rod Sterling was a good writer. And during the Cold War, you know, having all those episodes where Russia might nuke America, you know, you had... That one episode where the you know the the nuclear bomb goes off and the you know the guy's in the safe and then he breaks his glasses at the end because <laughs> he can't read his books. Yeah. Like, and all, and also just like aliens and paranormal stuff. It just again, Rod Sterling talked about the unknown, and I guess people don't like the unknown. And I and I recommend Twilight Zone, and it's on Netflix and Hulu. And that yeah, Rod Rod Serling went on to do lots of other stuff, and Twilight Zone is kind of his most famous. Uh, Night Gallery is good too. It's kind of the same premise, more or less. Mm-hmm. I didn't like Night Gar- Gallery that much. Yeah, I didn't like it as much, but it is. I, I think some people will like it enough. Like if you love Twilight Zone that much, and you just need something else, then yeah. Yep. Yeah, so we recommend it. And uh, Andy, what is next week's uh, movie we're going to watch? Next week, there's a movie on Amazon Prime called A Ghost Story. I don't know a ton about this movie. Really, it's just the main reason I wanted to watch it, the main reason I picked it is because um, the two main guys from Red Letter Media said it was their favorite movie last year. And I was like, oh, okay, what's it about? And I guess it's about a guy who has died and is now a ghost. And it's him floating around doing ghost stuff. And the movie is shot in a weird aspect ratio. And it was put out by A24. And that's kind of all I know about it. And Casey Affleck's in it. Oh, yeah, that's true. Anything. I think he has a sheet on the whole time. I can't remember if it's him or someone else. But the main character just like has a sheet on and is a ghost the whole time. So you don't really see their face anyway. Well, I'm reading... IMDb, IMDb, and it says Casey Affleck plays C, and Rooney Mara plays M. But yeah, I decided I was going to go into it knowing not tons about it, and I, I wanted to see if it was any good. Yep. So I chose that. It's on Amazon Prime, so. 
Yeah, nice so and easy. Nice and easy. Lemon squeezy. So that will be our movie for next week. Make sure you go watch it on Amazon Prime. And we'll discuss it next, next week. I said next week. Um, remember, since we watched Twilight Zone, and if you have any comments and anything about what we talked about, please comment below. Um, let's go into some news that matter to us. Uh, just a few quick stories here. Um, Ryan Johnson trolled fans on Twitter the other day about... Uh, spoiler alert about The Last Jedi. If you haven't seen Last Jedi and you don't want to hear spoilers, then skip this. Or, you know, go go eat something. So at the end of The Last Jedi, there's a hologram Luke or a ghost uh, projected Luke, you know, trying to fight uh, Kylo Ren. And people were like, this is bullshit. Why is Luke doing that? How can he do that? We never saw this before. And Ryan Johnson, like the first tweet was like eyeballs and stuff. And then the next tweet was his bookshelf. And then the other tweet was a picture of two books, the Book of the Sith and the Path of the Jedi. And he opens up the Path of the Jedi and shows that it is possible for a Jedi to do that. Uh. And I like that he did that. But I also don't like that he had to explain himself through a tweet and rather than explain himself in the movie. You know, a two-sentence would have been great. Be like, oh, uh, you know, I learned this, you know, on the island while people were uh, trying to find me. Or something along the line. I wish he explained it in the movie rather than explain it through a tweet. I hate when that happens. I don't want to be told in the movie why Luke can do that or other stuff. I like that the movie makes the Force, like, magical and weird again. Like, in the prequels and then subsequently in video games and stuff, people wanted there to be rules. Oh, there's specifically, there's Force lightning and push and pull and Force jump. And Jedi can deflect laser bolts. And those are the rules, and that's what they do. No, that's stupid. Mm. Jedi should be mythical and they should be something beyond like the force should be barely comprehensible and it should be something that you have to study years to understand and it should be it should be magical i mean and i like that i like that there's a bunch of stuff in last jedi that is that makes the force the force again and not just matrix rules yeah well the thing is i like the last jedi how they explored new ideas with the force and I'm okay with that. I but just, you want them to explain it to you on the screen? Not even, like, not not like fully. Like something like in the prequels, I believe Yoda was talking to uh, Obi Wan, and he was like explaining Qui Qui Gon was learning how to do the whole ghost, uh, you know, Jedi thing. When you know, when you die, you become a ghost. He was getting trained to do that. And it was it, it was like a sentence. It wasn't even like in bold letters, hey, you know, Qui-Gon could do this. It was just something they just casually said. Okay, well then let me ask you this. Uh, in the original movies, when you see Ben Kenobi appear, you know, as a, like celestial Jedi ghost spirit, and he's talking to Yoda, and then also at the end of Jedi when, when Yoda and Kenobi and Anakin are all there, did you hate it then? No, no. Um, 
Well, it hadn't been explained yet, so... Touché. Touché. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Um, the And then more tweets were happening, and people were like, well, what about Princess Leia, you know, floating in space and stuff? And his only answer was, because she's badass. And I'm like, dumb response. <laughs> dumb response, because that was a stupid scene. And I think he knows that's a stupid scene. Oh, yeah, that's the worst scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, far and away. Yeah, if you can't explain that and just respond with, you know, badass she's badass i i get it princess leia is badass but she was badass when she was not floating in space anyway moving on before we go into another big debate about the last jedi um just a quick mention if you're a fan of super trooper troopers uh super troopers 2 trailer got released did you watch it andy yeah i did it looks funny yeah i like the first movie it's really funny a lot of people were like why did it take so long for a sequel to happen? And I'm like, yeah, I wonder that too. I'm I, like, part of me was like worried. It took so long to make this movie. Is it going to be good? Do you think that, or because in my opinion, and this is not a not a comedy, but like Avatar, it took 15 years for that movie to be released, and then uh, they're talking about a sequel, and it's already been 10 years for Avatar two. I think the more you wait. The more you put time in a film, and like in any other thing, and like games or films and all that stuff, it yeah. should be good. Unless it's like Duke Nukem, where it's keep on getting delayed, and then yeah. Whenever movies get delayed too much, or especially when, oops, especially when uh, like a director or something like that gets changed, I I immediately start thinking the worst. Like this this Han Solo movie that's coming out this year after they fired the other directors, I have very low expectations. And it might be great, but it's just whenever I hear stuff like that, like development problems with a movie, I think, oh well, that movie's not going to be great. Yeah, and but there there are obvious exceptions to that rule. It's not absolute. It's just that's my knee jerk reaction, and then I I'm delighted to be proved wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to go back on The Last Jedi, but did you hear that China pulled The Last Jedi from all theaters? No, why? Because nobody wanted to go see it. They were having no. they were having a bad turnout, and uh, it was like well, down eighty. China, the, China, the country pulled it from theaters, or the distribution company. Uh, the country from no. every from every theater. That's weird. China's a weird place. They have weird rules. Could you imagine if the government in the United States decided to pull a movie from theaters? Yeah, I mean, no, that was the interview, and that was in North Korea. Never mind. But, uh, yeah, it would be weird. Um, But it's interesting, though, because The Last Jedi... Do you think The Last Jedi was successful? It was successful money-wise, but you think, like, since it was so divisive that in episode nine they might have to change them things up because they of- will and that's going to be a tragedy because episode eight took a lot of risks and i think a lot of them paid off but not everyone liked it and that's not what disney's after they want money 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 so they're going to make it as close to force awakens as possible and that's a shame because force awakens already exists i feel like they've been on the down since like the force awakens like when the force awakens came out yeah you had the people like oh this is like new hope and everything and but it was still star wars and it was something new 
and because of the new characters like Ray and Finn and all that. And it's like, wow, amazing. This is like, it's it's a new hope again. You know, we're getting this cool sci-fi back and we're getting a trilogy. And then you had Rogue One come out. And it, it was, I liked the movie, but a lot of people were like, eh, this is okay. It's cool. And it didn't have a big turnout as Force Awakens. And then you had The Last Jedi come out and it was so divisive and it's not making as much money as force awakens so uh, they have to bring it up in episode nine i feel like and jj uh, abrams is doing episode nine and i hope from my point of view he changed he changes some things about ray but i don't want to get into it <laughs> we're gonna have another two-hour episode uh Another quick story, Castlevania anime season two is coming this summer. Yay. Uh, they didn't say when this summer, but the director was like, oh, yeah, we're coming this summer. It's so, going to be twice as many episodes, eight episodes this time instead of four. Yep. So be ready for that. And uh, yeah, that's it for news wise. Um, do you have anything? Did you see anything, Andy, that you want to quickly mention? Nah, I, I might have mentioned Castlevania. That's what got me really excited. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. January is just such a slow time for movie and TV kind of stuff. So, there's not a lot to say. Yeah, nothing. I mean, new TV shows are going to be happening in the springtime. So, yeah. when that happens, I know me personally, since I'm a big TV person, uh, I'll be explaining some you know, things you guys should watch. Maybe I might review some episodes, too. Not me. I'll probably be talking about old movies that you should see. Old movies like Sunset Boulevard. Yeah, I'm going to finish it after this. Nice. I mean, I'm not watching it for the first time. I've seen the movie before. The movie's brilliant. It's on Netflix. Go watch it. Nice. And I think that's it. I think we'll end it on that note. Um, thanks for watching episode 25. Wow, 25 episodes. We have five more until we hit episode 30. We have 75 more until we hit episode 100. Yep. And we're striving for that. Um, and but then, then we're done, though. No, nothing after a hundred. Yeah, we're retiring. We're gonna we're gonna take our uh, our YouTube money, which is like two dollars because of views. And uh, I mean, we get nothing now. YouTube announced if you haven't had four thousand hours of views, then you don't get shit anymore. Because yeah. fuck you, you're too small. Oh, like some side note news: Amazon apparently filed for two names amazon tube and open tube so huh. may, maybe amazon yeah maybe amazon is gonna make their own version of youtube or they're just doing another tv kind of thing the name amazon tube is too on the nose they should call it something more clever than that yeah i know i mean maybe they're just covering their they're just filing like a bunch of names and they're all sure. gonna do that at a meeting or something yeah um, yeah, so thanks for watching episode or listening episode 25 of Big Trouble Little Podcast. Remember to like and subscribe to us on YouTube. And also, um, you're going to see this show like change sometimes because I'm trying out new things. So just bear with us a little bit. We're going to add holograms and smell a vision. Smell a vision, yes. So we're going to fart in the microphone. All right, everybody. You guys have a good day, and uh, go Vikings. See ya. Thanks for listening. <laughs>